Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and this is not episode 29. No, this is episode, uh, do you want to call it episode 19? Do we want to go there? Uh, episode okay 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 um but we are maybe maybe we call episode one since it's like one of the twenty thousand we'll probably be doing in a row (laughs) yeah as 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 the world spirals into this kind of eternal holding space um while we all battle covid19 yeah new haven just put a order in place like 10 person limit order um through september 17th wow I mean, it could be reduced, but that could be a that could be the world we're living in. Look at you drinking water or something like that. Perfect. Look at my coffee. That's red stripe. Yeah, I had red stripe left over. So is that your that's your emergency? Your emergency no. brand? No, we hung out for like the last time for a while, probably uh, on Sunday. So yeah, no, I know the red stripe. I don't know why we got red stripe. Because it's delicious and comes in those cool boxes. It's really appropriate, like the medicine thing. Yeah. Exactly. That's how you're gonna. That's how you're gonna keep yourself healthy. Yeah, we'll Lots of red stripe. Um. So yeah, it's been uh, probably the biggest week in modern history for a uh, film, huh? <laughs> film news. Yeah, I mean, technically, in I a mean, way, film has has stopped. In, uh, I mean, we're keeping it film focused, I guess. Um, yeah, film is as a as a as a entertainment has, has stopped in place for uh, the foreseeable future. Um, everything is delayed through about mid-May now, I'd say, right? There's a, there's a few movies that are still saying they're going to release next month, like Promising Young Woman. I could see some of those coming out and s- switching to a streaming model. Well, I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure why Promising Young Woman wouldn't switch to a streaming model. I mean, if even Trolls, you know, World Tour... World Tour. Is is well, like, going to be released like on VOD? You know, the day of release. I mean, I think they're still going to release it in the theaters, but I don't know if any theaters are going to yeah. be open to even have it. Well, were they going to be open to have it before? Um, yeah. uh, but no, like Antlers got delayed, and now an Annabellum. Those are Annabellum. I guess I could see maybe making a decent amount of money, but Antlers is something that kind of shocked me. I thought for sure they would just would have switched that to a streaming. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is they, the... they still might, but. I don't, I mean, uh, the one I am keep looking for is Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. I'm not 100% sure why that hasn't been announced to go, like, to VOD already. I mean, it's over. Yeah, that movie's since, over. Yeah, it got some releases, right? I think it did Release. two, I think it did, you know, New York, LA, and then I think it did, I think last weekend it expanded to maybe four theaters, and it made no money because no one went to the movies. And if they did go to the movies, they went to see that uh, I still believe... And Onward, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Onward's a movie I suspect will be on Disney Plus next month. Well, there's no, there's that. nothing, there's nothing they can do with these movies. They have to release them somewhere. I mean, they're, you know, these theaters are going to be out of commission for months. What would be the point? Yeah, exactly. You're going to be looking at. I mean, there's going to be those movies they hold off on, hoping to get like that big first weekend back where people feel they can feel comfortable going back. And I think that's what they're doing with like Quiet Place and Mulan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like the MCU's probably just shifting. Like Black Widow's probably moving into where Eternals was, and Eternals were probably moving. Everything will just kind of shift one place over. Yeah, but I, mean, I assume stuff like Spiral and whatnot probably isn't done editing yet, and so that's probably why they can't even be released. Mm-hmm. 
can't edit that at home, but I think some of these movies there are probably already done. Um, you know, just, just release them. I, I mean, maybe Antlers wasn't done? Who knows? I don't know. Who I mean, it doesn't... Ultimately, it doesn't... <laughs> it's one of those things that doesn't really matter. Um, oh, no, in the grand scheme of things, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter too much. But um, the movie we were talking about today was the second to last movie I got to see in theaters, so... It was the last one I got to see in theaters, yeah. So not, not, a, not a bad way to start a long haul away from film. Uh, the last one I saw was, was Invisible Man, which, you know, it was okay, too. Not, not this. Mm-hmm. No, no, it wasn't this. Um, and the movie Mario... It is, it is weird, by the way, because we're doing this right now over Zoom. It's something I didn't hear of until like two days ago. It's a bizarre world I'm going to have to get used to. <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll do the best we can. Yeah, it's, it's your fault. It probably COVID is my is, fault. It probably is COVID my fault. It's your fault. It's mm-hmm. gonna be called the it's gonna be called the Nolan flu soon enough. It's possible. Or the Nolan virus. It's possible. It would not surprise me. Um, all right. So Tom Tom flu. <laughs> it just makes you just kind of generally sad, irritable. Do you want to talk about this movie? Uh, I think that's the point. Yeah, let's here. do it. Uh, it is uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. L'homme intéressé par ma fille est milanais. Nous partons là-bas si le portrait lui plaît. Il a épuisé déjà un peintre avant vous. Que s'est-il passé Je ne sais pas. Il vous attend. So, do you, how about you introduce it? Yeah. It's your so, movie. Um, Marianne, uh, played by yeah, my movie. I I am actually so, <laughs> I am actually Celine C- Siama. Siama. Ah, I can never say her name. Siama. I took yeah, I took five years of French, and I still can't say French names. Uh, Marianne, uh, played by Nobi Moral, is a um, painter who is commissioned. To paint a portrait of a young bride by, um, you know, uh, who's who's being married off to a nobleman in Milan. Mm-hmm. Um, it is noted that this her name is Heloise. This woman is uh, known to be finicky and very um, reserved, and you know, unwilling to, to sit to take her photo. She was a uh, in a convent um, before. Uh, this event took place. Uh, her older sister was was due to marry this uh, nobleman, but uh, committed suicide. And Marianne has been hired to be the confidant um, uh, of Eloise and kind of Eloise. I, I keep I keep saying the H in her name, uh, Eloise, and um, you know, paint her in secret, kind of paint her from memory. Mm-hmm. Um, Marianne, you know, eventually finishes the portrait, but is you know, kind of grown very close and attached to these and uh, decides to show her the painting, um, realizes that she herself is, uh, you know, Eloise's mother who's commissioned um, Marianne to paint the photo, the portrait, I should say, because it's a portrait of Lady on Fire. Um, <laughs> you know, is, is satisfied with it, 
But Marianne realizes that it, it doesn't truly capture Eloise. Eloise mm. says, at one point, you know, is this how you see me? Um, so Marianne destroys the painting. Uh, Eloise's mother, you know, Always surprising to see that um, Valeria Golino has yeah. not really aged that much since Hot Shots. Oh my! The whole time I was watching it, like every time she would come on the screen, I'd be like, "It's Hot Shots. It's just Hot Shots." It's like I want Charlie Sheen to shoot a chicken somewhere in this movie with a bow and arrow. She doesn't. She doesn't look. She doesn't look significantly different. No, she doesn't. Um, you know, she, she's she's ready to fire her, uh, but Eloise, as she'll sit for the painting, and so. Eloise and Marion are given uh, five days while the Countess, um, Eloise's mother, is off um, on a journey of some sort. I can't remember exactly she was going off to do. Hmm. You know, while the Countess is gone, um, they narrow uh, Marianne and uh, starts painting Eloise's portrait, and they become closer and flirtatious. Um, and eventually, after the scene that would be the inspiration for it said portrait of a lady on fire, um, they admit their feelings for one another, and uh, a love affair blossoms from that. Um, from there, you know, they have a really strong emotional connection with one another, um, realizing that their time is very limited. Uh, they're also, you know, trying to take care of the young help Sophie, who um, is pregnant with a child out of wedlock. Um, Eventually, though, the uh, Countess comes back and they realize that you know, they, they can't really continue on with this life. Um, and Eloise departs to, um, well, Marianne departs and Eloise goes off to marry uh, the nobleman in Milan. And Marianne, um, kind of echoing back to the beginning scene where uh, years later she's showing a painting class. Uh, the painting class sees the photo of a portrait of the lady on fire and asks her, the store, mm-hmm. asks her what it is. Um, she remarks that she saw her two times before. Uh, once, um, you know, once a paint portrait of her uh, with her child uh, some years later. Um, you know, with a, with a little note that we'll mention here in a bit mm-hmm. uh, on said portrait. And, um, and then finally... Uh, once at a performance of Valdi's Four Seasons, um, because early on Marianne had played Summer from the Four Seasons to her, uh, because Marianne had always had loved music, but only heard the chapel sort of organ music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and saw her face, saw Eloise from a distance. She said, uh, you know, Eloise did not see her. Uh, Eloise kind of goes through a cascade of emotions uh, to have the performance. Uh, yeah, that's how the film ends. So what did you think? Very similarly, very similarly to uh, "Call Me by Your Name." Um, kind of. I mean, yeah, not not hugely similar, but there's, yeah. there's definitely very similar hallmarks to both of those scenes. Um, yeah, I think the interesting thing about this, the the thing I kept thinking when I was watching this movie, is that like you finally got your like it's it's like the memory component of "Call Me by Your Name." Um, which you talk about a lot is like actually in this movie like a lot, and I think the yeah. I think the way they kind of go about it is 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 really interesting. I think the the presence of the of the ghost, I'm doing some air quotes here, um, that yeah, Marianne sees, sees a couple Eloise of times, kind of in her wedding dress. Um, it's kind of like the nightgown, but it's more like a reflection of her wedding dress. Yeah, um, which is kind of plays into this Orpheus and Euripides, um, Euripides, Eurydice, 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 
Ah, I'm terrible today. This is what confinement does to Mario. It makes me dumber. <laughs> and I'm even reading Machiavelli's like discourses on Levy right now, and I'm being more stupid. Maybe that's why. People are, I guess. Um, yeah, but eventually, kind of like the, the, the story of that's kind of, you know, Orpheus looking back and losing her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that plays a, a big thematic role. But yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, no, that was kind of what I wanted to say about that um, specifically. I just think it, I thought it was an interesting. I thought it was interesting to not make this movie um, one in which it's an active, it's like an active love affair, and I think that's significant in the sense that um, we can assume at the end of this movie that you know, not to say that she imagined any of the aspects of it, and not to say that she romanticized any of the things that have happened. They, I'm sure they all happened very romantically, and and. Um, Eloise's uh, response to hearing um, Vivaldi at that concert kind of um, um, proves that you know the, the the quality of their romance was there. But to go to, to to kind of like frame it as such, it makes that last scene because it's un- it's not that she's an unreliable narrator, but because it's told in memory, you get this. And because there's until you kind of until you kind of realize that there's a, a remembered quality to it um, when you finally see Eloise in the wedding dress and it kind of explains like the visions that she's been having, um, it makes you you're waiting for you're waiting for that shoe to drop where she's misremembering something. You know what I mean? Everything just seems so perfect in this movie. Like really? all the shots. I wasn't I wasn't thinking that. No, and that's that it didn't call into question at all. Um, like the quality of the film, I actually think it made the film better because everything's well, everything's so perfect in in yeah. this movie. Like all the framing is perfect. Um, I mean, it's shot in I think eight K. Like, yeah, so the, the colors are just overly like poignant. Right, and that ocean is very blue, and that dress is very green, and that dress is not an accident. You know, and I wondered. Part of me wondered why they were using that green dress a little bit, but you know, it's just like a, con- a you know a contrast of colors and things like that. Um, which the which green dress? The green dress that um, Heloise wears. Yeah. Heloise wears. Yeah. I I more thought it was meant to like kind of put focus into her eyes because like I think so too. Stare, yeah. That stare when she first looks back at her. Well, like, that's that yeah. That's like me. It's just like that's one of the great scenes. Um, but I think it's I think the the end scene is so powerful because you kind of. You want it to be, because it's told from memory, you have the, I had the idea that it was, it was possible that Marianne was romanticizing the, her experience a little bit, but then you see I, the 28, I get that. Yeah, uh, and then so you see the 28 and then she's, and then you're like, oh, she didn't. And then at the Vivaldi concert, um, you know, Heloise essentially just, you know, just gets so emotional with it that, um, it solidifies like the whole movie where the movie was you know, didn't really need to be solidified, but it did need, for me, it needed to be solidified emotionally. Um, in the sense that I thought it was very emotional, did you, but did I don't think it was pretty sanitized, like because of the way it looked there. I just think it was, it was, I don't know if I want to say, mani- I don't mean manipulative in like a bad way, as much as I mean manipulative in the sense that like, yes, how it looked was too, too polished. You know what I mean? It was just, it was a very yeah. polished thing. It was a very polished production to the point where, and I, I texted you after I saw it, and I was like, it reminded me a lot of Parasite in that regard, 
in the sense that it was everything was heavily considered and it was executed perfectly, but it kind of sapped a little bit of the of the um, the drama out of it. Does that make sense? And see, you're like, yeah, yeah. I just like how I'm laying on my floor by the way doing this. Um, the thing that struck me though, and I would agree with a lot of that kind of like consideration uh, with Parasite, but Parasite's more of like this intellectual experience with Bongo, who's kind of making this intellectual point that I don't know if he has like a deep, close emotional attachment to. Mm-hmm. This, um, you know, this feels much more personal and close, mm-hmm. and so it felt like the only way to do that was through this like careful deliberation, like through this kind of like certainty, like incertainty of one's ability to get the message through. Mm-hmm. And so you had to control each piece of that. weed. Yeah. Um, like there's almost like a, like a, not a timidness, but a, a fear of miscalculation and thus, you know, misappropriating, not misappropriating, misconstruing the message being, sent and and i think that's why it feels so profoundly like dictated yeah that's that's how it came off to me because it feels very earnest kind of like it it feels very deliberate because it feels as though there's this need of exposure to it Mm -hmm. that's how it was what do you mean need of exposure I, i need to kind of carefully walk on a tightrope basically with what you're trying to get through uh-huh. and and one step to the left or right would send you off the edge and i like the guy who crossed the volcano who was you know on a safety rope but you know it's, I, I don't know if i'm um, kind of adding a footnote to it that doesn't need to be there but you know with adele hanal and, and schemas schemas uh schemas yeah relationship uh you know Preceding this, you know, I want. I don't think that necessarily plays a role, but there's definitely a, a close personal relationship that Celine felt with this. I just say Celine because I wonder that name. Oh, were they um, together at some point? They were for oh, like, okay. ever. Like uh, when, from the time like Adele Hanal was like 18 to like a year or two before the film started. So oh, really? Okay, I didn't. Know. 12, 13 years. Hmm. Um. And I don't know necessarily if that played a role in it, but what did was just this, like, need to kind of, like, express it. You know, like, a lot, a lot of the arguments have been about, like, the idea of eliminating the male gaze from this film. Uh-huh. Um, and I wonder if she was, like, and I, I don't want to put words in it, but I wonder if there's, like, this fear of, like, retreading the same sort of tropes by, you know, and, and, and maybe accidentally doing that, or, or maybe kind of, like, miss, not, not accidentally doing that, maybe... Um, more so, trying to put this in her own voice and trying to put trying to make that point very much more directly. Because mm-hmm. uh, she's mentioned in interviews that like the, the elimination of the male gaze is, is a pretty prominent part of this film, mm-hmm. uh, thematic part. Um, and so, I, the reason why the deliberation in this film felt better to me than it does in Parasite, even though I think both films are pretty resoundingly perfect in their execution. Um, is the fact that this one felt like it needed to be perfect because it it was such a, a risk, a personal risk, whereas Parasite just feels more like it's resoundingly perfect because that's just what Duncan does. 
Um, yeah, I don't think that's. I think that's fair. I think my pro- I, not even necessarily like a problem with the perfection. I think it's just like one of these things where I'm not sure that a hundred percent. Not sure that a hundred percent that um, all of the really perfect shots carry a lot of carry the same kind of weight. You know what I mean? So I think some of the most powerful shots in this movie are are, are like fleeting moments. So um, you know, like you said, the first that look that she gives her when she like first like sits to paint for her. You know what I mean? Like like Eloise is like burrowing inside of of Marianne with just like this really simple, this really quick quick and, look. And this shot where she turns around for the first time and Marianne's kind of like taken back like mm-hmm. when they're going about walk. You know, where Marianne kind of just runs. Um, or, you know, when Mar- like kind of one of the most lovely scenes uh, where Eloise can't like stop smiling. Like those Yeah, shots yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. Great. So, uh, so I te- when I texted you about it, I was like, it, the movie really seems to stall a little bit. And not, even, not a lot to the point that it damages the movie, but it stalls when they are not expressing their their emotions for each other because when they are expressing their emotions for each other um it gets really really intense like their looks at at each other are um just kind of laden with profundity you know what i mean like they're so meaningful you know it's almost like the first time they've seen anything um and it just happens to be you know in their opinion like the most beautiful thing they they could have imagined seeing just in the, how in the end of that movie, you know, you know that performance of 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 Vivaldi's Four Seasons is is clearly the most beautiful thing that that Eloise has ever heard in her life because she is just especially losing compared, about it. Yeah, yeah, especially compared to like the emotional aspect and the history she's had. Right. Um. I, see, I, I feel as though some of those those scenes, especially kind of like the subplot with Sophie, while important to kind of like carrying on that that message of. I don't know. For, for me, there's just like this overarching, overarching kind of sense of slight foreboding in terms of like this patriarchy around it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, because she's going to be taken at some point. It's not yeah, without exactly. uh, against her will. They're going to look at a painting, and then she's just going to be married, and she doesn't have any say in the matter. Yeah, and and you know, like uh, the count is kind of suppresses, like expresses that sort of masculinity, uh, kind of toxic masculinity. I've always thought general. that about Valerie Galino. <laughs> um, but I think the Sophie subplots there, not only to like further kind of express that in a more simple, digestible way, but also because I think a film that's just like a really intense love story between these two characters becomes too much. Mm, yeah, it becomes. I I would agree with that. I think um, I hadn't thought of it it's, because it didn't happen. But like considering the whole movie is just the two of them staring at each other, I suppose it would be very tiresome. Yeah tiresome in a way that it's like it's such a bombardment of like sensual and emotional like power mm-hmm. that you need you need those breaths it's it, i don't want to be crude about it but it's like that when you have sex and you know you, after the sex is over and you continue because you enjoyed the pleasure of it you keep going and it reaches that point where it gets too much like that's what well, there's that. That's there in the like, movie. I'm over, also, I'm over yeah. the moon for this. I'm over the moon for this movie. But like, I guess, I guess that's not the best way of saying it. Um, but like, that's what kind of felt like. To me. That's what those moments, those breaths felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just some, you know, just like that was the thing for me. Is like I, I don't want to use. I was like gasping for breath because that seems inappropriate at this time. Um, <laughs> I was just just taken aback by so many moments in this that I think. Had you not had those breathers in there, like it would have become 
I don't even think necessarily it would have I would have become numb to it as much as I would have become uncomfortable with how much of like this essential kind of experience it became uh, mm. a, a sensory sort of experience. Well, and so exactly. So my um, I think a lot of it is a pure sensual experience when the movie is is working at its best and it's always working. Let's be I'm going to be very fair to this movie. It's always working. You know, um, I don't know how many movies we're going to see. Our pivotal film list um, will be really weird, I have to imagine, this year. Um, the, thing, the one thing I found funny is uh, last week when I kind of scoffed at your idea of Elizabeth Moss getting nominated for Invisible Man, and now it's very likely. Yeah. Yeah, now, now they may, like, work to reestablish the, or, or the um, viability of Portrait of a Lady on Fire to be nominated yeah. for stuff. Lee, Lee Waddle might win Best Director. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> um, it is a purely sensual experience. And to the point, though, to the detriment, I think, of some of the, the cinema here. And maybe this is like the English major in me talking, you know what I mean? Maybe I've, I've spent too much time over the last like four weeks just dissecting the crap out of novels. But like I wanted, uh, it's gonna be a lot more of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted, um, I wanted some of the these scenes that are gorgeously shot to really mean something. So like the scene where Marianne first gets to the house, you know what I mean? And she's um, she's undressed and she's sitting in front of the fire and she's smoking tobacco. It's a gorgeous scene. There's like some inherent symmetry to it because there's, I, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, there's like a um, there's a canvas and there's a, a, a canvas crate. Or there's canvases on either side of her because she's letting them dry yeah, out. She's letting dry, yeah. I don't, I don't have a firm grasp of what that shot is doing from a from a subtext standpoint. I, it's just, it it seemed like it's just beautiful. It needs to get from one place to the next. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what other work it's doing. It's the same thing I think happened with with when she burns when she burns the portrait of. The old portrait of the sister, you know what I mean, with the no head, with the, you know, you know what I mean, um, where the sister before the older sister that killed herself. No, that wasn't an older sister that killed herself, was it? I thought that was Eloise. Oh no, that was the Eloise yeah, picture that Eloise, that, uh, that um that person she sit the for, first yeah. attempt when she burned it. I got it, like on a general intellectual level, you know what I mean. It's just kind of like, especially with uh, in a movie about like how you're seen. You know what I mean? And, like, the truth of what people are, are perceiving about you and who you are. You know, Heloise, or Eloise just kind of, like, rejecting the idea that she is this person based solely on the fact that she's a woman. You know what I mean? Um, and a woman of a certain of a certain economic standing, so she's required to do this. And, she you know, she rejects that stuff. I just... Marianne's burning of that painting, I think, is appropriate... But I don't know what it means, and I don't. I'm not sure that the the film 100 percent has a, a a really firm grasp on on what it means either. I think it just it just it sh- it could it should be there, and it makes sense that it's there, but it's not attaching itself to any of the larger themes. You know what I mean? Because especially because Marianne then just goes and damages her own painting. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. It just it, there's these kind of loose. There's these loose subtextual threads that just were never resolved for me, and like the emotions were were um, intense, but that like that underlying subtext never got resolved, never kind See, of I, seemed filled out. 
see, I, I, I actually, I actually found subtext in those moments. The, the scene where she's naked smoking the tobacco with the two empty portraits kind of suggested to me that she herself is kind of this vulnerable blank canvas that's kind of maybe unwilling to accept that because she's kind of put on this austere earlier on. Um, but that's what it kind of took to me, that she herself has this vulnerability. She, But at the same point, she herself kind of doesn't have this realization of, of what she is or what she's looking for, what the world around her is. And then when she burns that painting later on, um, it's kind of this beginning of acceptance of, you know, brushing away kind of the the belief of, of what a painter has to paint see and of what a, a look has to be and it, you know and, that, yeah. and a big part of that a big part of that is just you know Marianne talking about you know what women are allowed to paint sort yep. of thing and the fact that she kind of settles on you know that the true portrait she settles on as has a memory of Eloise is just that picture of her dress on fire you know kind of symbolizes to me just her ability to capture a moment kind of mm-hmm. that the idea of the poet you know, instead of just uh, the lover sort of, sort of idea yeah. that comes from the Orpheus thing. And, you know, that opening shot where she's naked is just like vulnerability where she doesn't know what she is. See? She burns the picture because she's eliminating the preconceptions that have come from the outside world. And then the decision to make the portrait of the lady on fire at the end kind of is what she truly is. So, but that's, the th- here's the thing. So I actually, my interpretation, which I didn't like feel it was like 100% correct because I didn't see where it attached necessarily to anything because she doesn't, she does seem more vulnerable than my original interpretation of that scene, which was that like, she's not bound to the same life that Eloise is. You know what I mean? She's untethered. She has, doesn't have the same um, attachments that, that Eloise is going to be forced with. So she can, to agree, she can still, she's still really, she's still really rigidly defined. Right. But she can sit in, She's a. She's also still like a service person, so the expectations aren't the same. You know what I mean? So she can sit in her room, naked and smoke, where and she can carry tobacco. She's learned how to play an instrument. She's learned how to paint. Um, but it almost feels like she's been told. Like I feel like emotionally, she's been told she's forgoing uh, her ability to kind of have this really interpersonal relationship with one another, like mm-hmm. like sensual physical emotional relationship with one another in her decision to become you know not a wife but to become a journeyman a, a, an artist mm-hmm. uh, you know a, a tradesman um and it's kind of like this either or and they kind of represent you know this once again those clashing two sides so this is what exactly so it's an either or thing is a perfect thing to say so what i would have i think preferred is that and this is a stupid thing to say i can't prefer anything like she made the movie she wanted to make and it's a great movie but um like, I would have preferred maybe a couple of different things on those canvases, you know what I mean? For those canvases to be different. For those, for the symmetry of that shot to be expressing something different on both sides of it. Would have been cool. You know what I mean? It would have been, like, it would have been a visual, visual evidence of the thing, that exact thing you were saying. And then, the thing I think is interesting about your saying, I think you're right about the, like, the burning of the portrait thing, but she, like, she's on fire metaphorically you know what i mean she just wants Hmm. to she's on fire to live and then she's actually on fire later in the movie is did marianne perceive some of that like in that moment that she like you know it was almost like testing a theory 
You know what I mean? Like, this woman seems like she's burning or something. You know what I mean? That there was more metaphor attached to it for her. I just didn't... I didn't get any of that. And I think it could be there, and I think you could be right about that stuff. But I think that it was um, in service of the beauty, like the sensual beauty, I think some of the... Um, I think some of the subtext got a little muddled. Okay. And, and I think in some of... In, I think in service of some of the... Um, the the Sophie stuff, which I actually think is really powerful, and I, I the Armand White. Did you read the Armand White review of this? I, I did not. Oh, it's, it's really really funny, um, where he's um, he like holds them all accountable for like helping someone have an abortion, and like this oh is God. this is what female empowerment is is like helping someone have an abortion. But it's not necessarily about female. I didn't think it was necessarily about like female empowerment as much as it was about like the idea of. I know what it is about female power. Like the idea of like because it's like staged like a like a like a witch's coven, you know what I mean? It almost seemed like it was like a, a scene from the crucible when they go to that, yeah, that they go to that feast. Yeah, and you have that modern sort of music yeah, song yeah, yeah. chant playing over it. Like they had that I can't remember who it was, but that um it was like an electronic artist that Oh really? Of, it was like somebody? Like electronic artist in Celine that kind of created the music to get hmm. the song together. Yeah. Um, um but I thought that was I thought I thought those scenes were really those scenes were really interesting. I think it, it, it established the idea of uh, of like Marianne being someone that Eloise could need, and like vice versa, where you know Marianne is is kind of this lone wolf, um, but maybe she can need somebody. You know what I mean? Like you mm. know, um, but I don't know. I don't I, I don't want to pick nits. And I feel like I'm doing a little bit of nitpicking, but like when I was, these are just things that occurred to me when I was watching it. And these things stopped occurring to me when, um, the, when Marianne and, and Eloise were just like looking at each other. You know what I mean? Um, then they stopped. And I, the other thing, this is the last thing, this is the last nit I'm going to pick is that the scene when they first kiss, um, I thought was just like way too staged. Like Eloise just kind of standing still in, in the cave, in the cave. And, like, yeah. Marianne, like, walking around really slowly, and they both have their wind masks on. I was like, oh, all right. Like, we know well, where, it, we well, know where this it is actually, going. It was, it was staged. Do you know why it, it was that way? She what? actually, she had, a, she had a reason why. So she wanted to have a scene that expressed consent without mm. having somebody act for consent. And so the wind masks are there so that when they bring them both down individually, they've given consent. Oh. Like it was actually really important that she create a scene of consent giving instead of that there wasn't like a, a moment of kind of mass like power sort of thing. okay that it was just a, a duality a, a dual acceptance and a dual vulnerability and a dual um assertiveness mm-hmm. and i i think that works like it, i think it works too i didn't know i didn't I get it when it. i watched it it's it's kind of hokey like and i, I kind of looked it up to myself because i'm like why is it like this but once i found that out i was like uh i can't really see how i do it better no, that totally works. I think, uh, I think maybe they. I just didn't notice that they were pulling them down individually, or like they were pulling mm-hmm. their own masks down. Um, but yeah, so but I, I mean, I think I've taken up a lot of time nitpicking. You've been talking about this movie. You've seen this movie how many times? Uh, four. Four times, now. and this is a very short amount of time. So, like, all right. So, what is it about this movie? Four times. I mean, to be fair, when this comes out on Criterion. I feel like I might want to buy it so that I could watch it, like, so me and my wife can watch it and then, like, discuss the shit out of it also. 
because it's like a discussable movie? Um, I, it's 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 so hard to put in the words. I saw this as a friend of mine at the Madison Art Cinema, mm-hmm. and re- it took us a while to get this film. Yes, uh, it did down here in New Haven. Um, lucky it came when it came. Uh, you know, and and when I went to go see like the. I think it was like the second showing of it, but it was especially put on by like kind of the Yale film people mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I don't know if it was like the film score film club and the guy had mentioned like, this is the first theater that had got it. And there was going to be even that Q and a afterwards. And he introduced it as like, you know, I'm probably ruining it, but it's like one of the best movies I've seen, you know, in, in the sense of like, it's really profoundly changed the way I see cinema and like what I look for in cinema. And I was like, oh. and I was already going into this with like, <laughs> these extremely high hopes, you know, mm-hmm. high, high anticipation, high expectations. Um, and I saw with a friend of mine too, who has been slowly trying to convince me to see, to show him like the movies that kind of define, not necessarily a pivotal film, but just movies I think are great that he would like. Um, and so I was like, I took him to this just as I was like, Oh man, I might be like overselling it. Uh, and there was just this remarkable sense of, overwhelming warmth that came from this film for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and leaving it exceeded my expectations, I, I still consider it of the past five years like one of the best probably three films I've seen. Hmm. Um, maybe the top five, like what, the best five, like once you get to the top five, five it's it kind of hard to kind of classify in terms of like the, the personal effect it had on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he called it, my friend called it the greatest film he's ever seen. Wow. Um, and it is because of that kind of like search for perfection that you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he actually saw Parasite like two days afterwards and he was frustrated by it because he saw a lot of the same hallmarks, but he didn't see like that emotional connection. Mm. And I think because of the fact that everything is so well crafted and these two lead performances are so utterly astonishingly just articulate. Um, and everything is so focused and so definitively defined that, you know, you, you feel yourself compelled and drawn into it like you did the parasite. And then when you realize that like these moments of intense longing or, or the looks they give to one another, or the things they say to one another, um, you know, are told in, in such a, in a way that's in no way fabricated, but feels so utterly earnest, mm-hmm. you become kind of less of a viewer of the film and more kind of like the specter that's inhabiting the same sort of room. Yeah. You feel as though you're in that room, you know, mm-hmm. like when, you know, Marianne's painting the portrait of herself with the mirror against like the crotch uh, of, Eloise, you, you, you feel it, it's 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 not like sexy necessarily. It's, it's no, it, no, 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 no. It is. It, it is, but it's 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 more sexy, not because it's two you know attractive women or whatnot doing this, but because it's sexy to see two people so profoundly enthralled with one another and enraptured with one another. Mm-hmm. You know, like it could have been Chris Farley and you know. Kevin James doing this, with, but if had that been, you know, 
Chris Farley alive. And had that been like <laughs> with the same um, sense of earnestness and and reality, like it would have in itself had like maybe uh, maybe not to the same degree, but it would have had the same element of sensuality and, and and the pain and the longing and the loss and the moments of the blocking of this is just so stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the consent thing is, is actually a big part of it. I almost feel as though I would say the one scene that is a bit of a, a stumbling block. I agree with you. It was the first kiss and I understand why she did it to be more definitive and defined. But the thing I find that's so amazing with this kind of, I call it like a melting. It's it's a it's an ultimate vulnerability that's in this film. An ultimate giving oneself over to the inevitability of of, of the wave of life because mm-hmm. everything is going to crash and implode. And it's that scene. It is that kind of like that that what's going to be like the famous scene of the film um, around the fire. But it's not so much like the fire itself or the music and all that all that works um, or the dress on fire. It, it's more the fact that like. Marianne gives like is looking at the music. She's kind of overwhelmed by the music, but then she, her attention slowly turns to Eloise. You know, Eloise kind of knows she has that smile, and Eloise just turns fully. To her. Mm-hmm. You know, that that full turn of, of beyond the beauty of the fire, beyond the beauty of everything around it, beyond the beauty of the music. You know, that full giving oneself up to that, and then Marianne stills uncertain but then eventually turns and gives herself up as well and that was just like just, just the decision to block it that way and just the wordlessness acting from Adele Hanan and maybe Merlot there it's just so it just felt like a fist around my heart you know yeah I mean it's and it has those when it's Again, and I'll say when it's working, but it's always working. But when it's working like that, it really does feel like that. And my like, you know, the look, the fire, the like the amount of time that like they let her dress be on fire, and then the part that was kind of like a kick in the heart to me was like when I when you saw the page number on the painting, like at the you know towards the end of the movie, like the twenty eight at the gallery. Oh man, that was. um, and I don't know, get that. and that's I think the you know a movie is great, and you know a movie is kind of is working on you when you don't even really know why it hits you so hard. But like I just I felt so happy for her, like when I saw that twenty eight. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think and to go back to what you were saying before, I think like the idea of like Marianne like being enthralled. I think one of the things that like one of the reasons that put like the kernel of like unreliable narratorness in my mind was the idea that, like, Marianne seems so easily enthralled by, like, by Eloise, and, and like, you know, she's just, I know she's painting her, she's supposed to be painting her, and she's supposed to be, like, studying every inch of her, but there's a look in her eye that isn't just, like, studying, you know what I mean? There's a look in her eye that isn't just, like, making notes of her ear, or, like, or the lines on her hands or anything like that, you know what I mean? There's a look in her eye that's saying, like, this is somebody this is somebody significant. This is somebody special. This is someone, um, you know, that is like me somehow. Um, yeah. Well, there's almost like this weird metaphysical quality to Eloise too. That's kind of like presented early on, um, just with like the original painter's frustration with that, not being able to capture her. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's kind of played off as her, his, his inability to kind of like get her set down. But, 
feels as though this kind of the way she's presented has this like magnet like magneticism about her, you know? That she's mm-hmm. such this like she has this like Henry James sort of quality to her. Mm. Well you I think know? the whole the whole story kind of does. The it's very Jamesian does have this kind of um great um you know, spooky etherealness to it sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, the nature of the house and, like, how passionate her, her feelings are and, and how um, they don't... Or her has, her has kind of, like, the ghostly presence, the, yeah. the specter presence is very similar to, like, the mother standing there in Phantom Thread. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not as good as that, but um, I'm sorry, Celine Siama. You're just... It's not. I mean, there's a benefit to having no score. I love when movies go for it like that and just like, you know, just leave the score on the on. Like, uh, maybe they do. They, do you think they made one, or do you think she knew the whole time that she wasn't going to use it, or do you think she like had one written and then like she was like, oh, this works better with like the no score with like the punctuation of music, like those like I, those three moments of music really really come through more without the score. I felt, I felt it's really deliberate because it's it's framed. The relationship's framed by Vivaldi, and I feel that's... You and know, you have so much... And that turn is, is, is yeah. the music. And you have so much, um, um, like, ambient noise di- with di- the waves yeah, di- and things like the, that. Uh, diegetic sound or whatever? Is that di- diegetic sound? Or, you know? You're the sound expert. You're the leader sound, in the field the sound, of audio. The sound design is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. Um, but is this... I, I just wonder, is this naturally lit, that part, though? It feels naturally lit, doesn't it? Maybe some of it. I just have to imagine. I actually, you know what I imagined? I imagined a kind of lighthouse scenario for stuff on the beach where they just blasted these women out. And you know what? You know, you know what I mean? What this reminded me of is um, Passion of Joan the Ark, like in terms of well, the dryer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like a dryer film huh. to me. Like especially like the kind of ghosty elements. I mentioned Phantom Thread, but it felt more dryer esque. Well, it definitely feels more old school than like Paul Thomas Anderson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Paul Thomas Anderson was still doing Paul Thomas Anderson things in Phantom Thread, regardless of how, like, different it was for, of a movie for him to make. But this does seem way more classicist, um, especially in its, like, attention to framing and to composition and to symmetry and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't yeah, feel... Aesthetic, aesthetic is a much more significant aspect. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, I think there's a difference, too, with Something like "Call Me by Your Name," which I, unfortunately this movie is going to get compared to like over and over and over and over and over again. Um, but that one's just so free, you know what I mean? It doesn't seem like it has any aesthetic rules that it wants to adhere to. It's just gonna, from one moment to the next, it's gonna be whatever movie it wants to be. Um, and where this one, you know, she clearly had like a vision of like how this is gonna look. I, I to, so that like you get the you get the most out of those little things, like you know we've talked about before, like Eloise's look, that one fraction of a second look when she just like obliterates Marianne and just kind of like sets her back on her heels. Um, you know, that stuff is earned because of the aesthetic choices that they had made up until that point. You know what I mean? Like the framing of that shot had been done actually like a whole bunch of times, sometimes with nobody sitting there, sometimes with Marianne sitting there, once with Sophie sitting there. You know what I mean? She said, she said that in interview, or no, no, no. But like they just in the movie, oh, they, in the movie they, they they're like, you know, it's a it's a theme like through the beginning of that movie that they kind of keep framing that shot 
A little bit. You know what I mean? Like the, the bench set up there and like the two windows and, and now she's here and she's just going to, you know, eviscerate her with the one look. Yeah. There was never a movie that, that made me so... This movie does does suffer. Not suffer. Suffer is kind of a good way of saying it. But I call it the ending frustration for me. Um, if I talked about the 1984 outburst I had in, in 8th grade. Mm-mm. Or before... Between... No, actually, seventh grade. So I finished 1984 after, in between my summer year of sixth grade to seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. And I finished it when I got to, you know, he loved Big Brother. I took the book and I threw it across the, threw it into the wall. Because mm-hmm. I was so angry. And this didn't have that for me. But it had that moment where I just was like, turn. Like, I was just like, you wanting Eloise to turn? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Um, and I, nothing has gotten to me that much since 1984. Like, like fr- not frustrated me necessarily, because 1984 angered me, mm-hmm. but, like, where I just so utterly, um, I'm not going to go into Xbox One, this is the problem with being on my computer during this. Um, oh, that might be why your internet's weird. Yeah, I don't have it open. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I do have Steam open. I should close that. Um, uh, Imagine Zoom just says thank you when you close Steam. Did it really? Oh. No, but that'd be funny. <laughs> that'd be great. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, but nothing's just like ground itself into my abdomen and wrapped its hand around my diaphragm like 1984 has, and this is the first thing that got close. To huh. Interesting. Very interesting. I don't know, just it hit all the marks. Like mm-hmm. like I said when you saw this, like I was gonna say like you could see I was gonna say like watch for this being the movie that kinda like gets me hits all the marks I want. You did and say you said, that. You did say that. Yeah, and you said it was gonna either you could see either being that type of movie or a movie that I just hated. Uh yeah. Yeah. So what what did you ultimately feel about it? I mean we good, I, I think it's a really good I think it's a really, really uh, I think it's an excellent movie. Um I think it's um, one of those movies that's kind of destined for like classic status. I comparing it, comparing it to like the year last year's films. Like where you think the movie? Oh, um, hmm. I mean, this would have destroyed. It's not like, High Life. It's not Little Women. I actually think I probably would have put Elephant Sitting Still higher. I think I put I would have put it over Parasite. This might have been my number five. Interesting. This would have just obliterated. Ever. Like this would have been a. Uh, a pretty big home run in terms of mm-hmm. most of the categories. Like, Child's Play Buddy's Song would have given him one best song. <laughs> Just because I appreciate I appreciate what a song is used for the purpose of the film, uh-huh. and that is a song being used for the purpose of the yeah. film. Um, but yeah, no, this is I think it's weird because widows, this and widows are doing two different things. This is much more of an intellectual. That's I don't know. It's, it's a weird experience. I liked widows I, more than this too, I, though. Yeah, no, no, no. I think I think I do too, but only because it's it's it has more of a, a, a personal importance, I guess. But the, the line that keeps getting to me though is when she says like I wasted too much time. Yep. In this and like that. I think that really informed my discussion last week on um, uh, Closer, you know, like going like, oh, man, I 
wasting time. You know, like that that hit me. Yeah. Um, and so it's 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 really personal film so far. I, I like you asked if I had put it on a pivotal list, and I can't couldn't do that yet because I think this is going to be something that's going to inform me in five years more. It's going to like cross my fingers that I make it that long. COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let us get let us let us get there. Uh. But yeah, it's something I could see, like, if we revisit this in five years, making a profound impact. Or, you know, kind of having just eventually become more of an intellectual. Well, that's, I mean, and I think the thing, and not as a criticism, but just in terms of, like, comparing it to stuff that we had seen. Like, when I came out of Parasite, me and my wife looked at each other, we just went, holy shit. Like, I definitely didn't do that when I left this. I mean, again, I left this theater alone. I saw it in, uh, in Bethel, and the theater was full of weirdos. Wouldn't that be great, though, if your wife was outside the theater and she looked at you like, holy shit, and you're like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I just, wanted, I just saw that movie. Or no, she just saw, what did the person after me, they bought a ticket to see Greed, that Steve Coogan movie? And the guy was like, the guy that ordered the ticket was like, or that asked for the ticket, he was like, can I? Can we have two for the Coogan? And I was like, what if, my, what if she went to see that? What if she was like, oh, I just love Steve Coogan? I've been, sne- like, I've I've been sneaking all- around to see Coogan movies. She's seen. I've seen all three trip movies. <laughs> oh man, that'd be great. Um, I'd have to respect that. I'd have to respect her allegiance to Coogan. Um, but yeah, just it didn't have that same. It didn't have that same effect for me, and I, I wonder if it's because, like, it wasn't. I don't know. And it's not a criticism of it, and I'm not asking her to make a more audacious movie, but like. Something like Parasite was so audacious, you know what I mean? Something like even like High Life was just, it's, um, I don't know, it's just weird that a movie like High Life exists, because it's just so odd, and there's so many weird things that happen to it in it, and, and, and the score is so, like, you know, intense, it's all so intense, and, but like also weird, it's just, you know, it doesn't have the same, I didn't have the same effect, this movie didn't have the same effect on me as like the last um, bunch of movies. Does it make like my top ten movie maybe that I've seen since we've been doing this thing? Like you know, from a movie standpoint, probably does. Um, but it's you know, yeah. I wonder if it's like has that it has that strong romanticism to it that I you know respond to. So yeah, that's, that's well, just I, it just I I think it's I want I want romanticism and I want. Uh, for sure, I want like the aesthetics and all that other stuff, but I also want something that's like not afraid to kind of like go fucking get something, you know what I mean? Or just like let it all, like let it all out. And I think some of the things with comparing this to Parasite is that Parasite um, was super controlled, but it also is like a huge kick in the face, you know what I mean? Like it's it has um, or a skewer in the side. Or a, skewer, or a skewer in the side, or a rock to your head. You know what I mean? It like literally was like, I'm going to throw a rock at your brain. From the very close up. Luck rock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw a luck rock right at your cranium. Um, and then you're going to imagine something really happy happening at the end of the movie, and then we're just going to be like, yeah, that didn't happen. That, that didn't happen, yeah, same, we just imagined it. The same friend I saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire with saw Parasite and was really angry yeah, you about said. the ending because he was th- thought it was too easy that like um, he got like all the things and I was like that's that's all in his imagination like that hasn't <laughs> happened yet 
And then he said, I've drank a lot of bourbon. And I was like, That's, <laughs> That's what happens when like, you drink yeah. a lot of bourbon. You get jealous of <laughs> people's imaginations in movies. You might want to give that one a relook and, and realize that he didn't actually become very wealthy. Very it's going to be on Hulu in like a couple weeks. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was. I definitely recommend when it comes out on streaming. Again, another movie that I I would assume. I think this goes Criterion Channel. You think so? Okay. You think they got exclusive rights to it? I mean, it's just one of those things where I think they probably thought they I mean, could probably the get another couple that, of weeks out of it. Releasing the fact that's releasing on Criterion Channel in June, yeah. So I mean, so it's it's DVD disc release is Criterion, right? Makes me think that probably around, you know. If this hasn't started settling down by then, which who knows, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't release pretty quickly on Criterion Channel. If it has started settling down, then I wouldn't be surprised if we see it by winter. Mm. If they maybe try to push it out again um, in like a weird bear market. All right, but that's it. That's it, Mario. Yeah. So we're going to try to do this um, as much as we can. We're going to try to get better connection. Um, we'll, we'll do some well, research connection. on... I think I think after I closed Steam, things got better. Yeah, I think Steam op- keeping a video game site open on a Wi-Fi connection is yeah. probably a bad idea while running a meeting thing. Yeah, but I also think this happens with my um, my kids are both using Zoom to like talk with their friends, and I feel like this happens on that all the time where they just end up shouting at their friends to fix something because zoom is messing up so i think zoom is giving people a nice platform for connection but i think in terms of like recording a podcast i did some research and there's some stuff specifically designed for recording podcasts um that we might know do we know if this has been recording it's been recording the whole time yeah i've been keeping i've been keeping a close eye on it oh do you have two pcs going i do i have my pc is recording this and my wife's pc is is running the zoom you're gonna jump on a a Twitch stream after this? Look at, we're gonna look play at. some. Uh, we're gonna play some Dead by Daylight. I'll post a picture to. I'll post a picture a, to Twitter of our my command center. I have a I have a friend who's actually starting to like do Twitch streaming now. Yep. Ever since the entire thing started, he's getting like viewership to where he might start making money off this shit. Doing what though? Twitch. What is Twitch, Twitch streaming? How do you make money off of that? Advertisers, people subscribing. What is he? Do, what is he doing? What's he playing? Jackbox games mostly. What's that? The Jackbox games are. This is also, guys. We're not talking about the films anymore. So, but like, really, we're ending this at, like a traditional pivotal film podcast. You're all, you're all at home anyway. Like, yeah, where are you gonna go? Like, re, um, so he's doing Jackbox games. Jackbox games. Oh, Jackbox. Jackbox. Jack. What is happening? Jackbox. Yeah, games. Um, and what those are? They're like party pack games, and you can stream them or play them, and everyone signs into them into a room a web portal okay and can join in and play themselves so for example you can play a trivia game or like a comedy game and you don't necessarily need to have the game itself you just need to go into a website to participate and so it's really popular right now with like people wanting to play video games together online huh because you get like 10 people going in like a zoom or a google hangout or whatever else site you'd use um, yep play games together because this is a uh, new normal for uh, the next 13 years imagine if that's the case oh people would I give people like 
a year before they lose their minds. Oh, they would lose their minds way before a year. You think so? Well, considering China, like, which has, you know, significantly more people than us, and we believe in this country as a, a more uh, uh, ineffectually run country, has been able well, to... China- has been able to spike and then like flatten its flatten its curve um, pretty substantially in the last like two weeks. Um, well, because China also had a much more aggressive. Um, but that's what I'm saying. So if we let quarantine and also a much more aggressive response, right? Than we've had. But I'm saying if we let this go for like six months because we never wanted to do any of that stuff, I think people will people will go fucking crazy. So There's a lot of a lot of nude portraits. Self-nude portraits. I'll be the first one. Well, why? I I have a blank canvas in the background. That's I have true. no paint, but I'll, I'll order some Amazon paint, and I'll just paint a self-nude portrait. You, you post a picture of it on the Twitter? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Is that loud? I don't know. It's If it's a painting, I think, no. right? You, you it's fine art. It's not Instagram. You can, you can post. There's, there's tons of nudity on Instagram. You just gotta make yourself uh, not safe for work. I don't My know. podcast is already not safe for work, I think. Is it? I don't listen. I say fuck a lot. Well, you can say I, people say fuck at work. Early on in the podcast, I used the c word until I was told I couldn't use the c word. We, I saw Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross. They, those guys say fuck at work all the time. Yeah, but we're not realtors. That's true. Oh, so it's just a real real estate office. We should be advertising directly to realtors. Although, uh, yeah, I, mean, I might be working with home soon. So we'll there you go. That'd be good. All right, so um, I guess. Do we want to do the rundown, or do we want to just, you know? Uh, no, no, we're good. I think this time. Okay. You know, if you want to tweet at us because you're really bored, tweet us at, at Film Pivotal or email us at pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, but, uh, why, and, you know, until then, um, until, See. until then, what, is, what the fuck does that mean? Until we talk to you live again, um, you live. know. Live? Has this been live? Oh, geez, that'd be terrible. It's a, it's a Facebook live stream. Um, until we talk we to you again. sometime. Yeah, no, no thanks. Um, yeah, go see some, stream some stuff. Uh, or drink, watch a Blu-ray. Yeah, you know, drink some beers if you got some. If if you if you don't got some, just drink water. If you're not feeling good, drink or, water. Or, yeah, yeah, drink drink plenty of fluids. Uh, if you're feeling good, you know, maybe run out, do some drive-through. Especially if you live anywhere local, with local breweries. A lot of local breweries are doing online ordering. Yep, you can drive up and they'll present you the things through your drive-through. Don't have to get out of your car. It's a good way of maintaining social distancing while also still supporting local businesses, which is never a bad thing. No, nope. that. yeah, while you, especially while you can, you know, uh, uh, order some food um, from your favorite yeah, the restaurant. Mo- longer, the longer you're drunk, the quicker time will go. <laughs> the quicker you get through all this. I've never like, found that might, to be the case. If you get, if you just drink for the next eighteen months, and just stay in your house, you'll wake up one day and be, you know, eighteen It'll be- months older. There'll be a vaccine, and you'll just have to worry about your liver. Yeah. And that, There'll be a vaccine that only Donald Trump only, has taken. You only have to destroy 80... You just have to keep 20% of your liver okay to, you know, last. So, you know, just think Shoot about for that, that folks. Alright, so um, we will talk to you soon. Um, good luck. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay good away sounds, from people. Sounds so dark. What else is there to say? Good luck. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get through this. Most of us will survive. No, we will survive. <laughs> most of us I will said survive. Most of, I say most of us because I like I don't want to make any guarantees about myself, but we will survive. Sure, we will. All right. Uh, all right, I'll talk to you later. Just maybe not me. Okay. There he is. Bye.